0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. Today, we are here with Stephen Davis of FMM. We're going to talk construction, the golden triangle, not the Illuminati, the golden triangle of workflow. We're going to talk buying businesses, investing in businesses, and ultimately serving the customer in the best possible way. Before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing folks that bring you this show each and every week. We have Government Taco, Filaya Real Estate, Currency Bank, the bank for business owners, Lakeman's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and this week we've got a St. Paddy's Day themed outfit brought to you by McClavey Limited. Without further ado, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, glad to be here. Stephen or Monk, which would you prefer? Um,
1: you know, honestly, some people uh, don't even know my real name. Okay, so Monk, got Monk it. Monk is good. Yep, it's good. <laughs> so, Monk, who are you, man, and what the heck do you do? Yeah, man, look, Stephen Davis, I'm uh, born and raised in Baton Rouge. I've been living in Denham Springs. I'm a transplant to Livingston Parish for the past 25 years, basically. Uh, my business is located there now. We're, uh, we're in the facilities maintenance and construction business. We've got about 140 employees, about 100 vehicles on the road from fl- Florida to all the way to East Texas, and um, and uh, we got a great team, man, a great team of people. I'm also... Uh, partners in a flooring company called Anytime Flooring, and a uh, very successful company with my partner uh, Tony Thibodeau There, uh, he runs that business, and I'm partners with him. And so, um, a lot of construction, a lot of floors, a lot of maintenance, a lot of everything to do with uh, with fixing buildings, repairing them, renovating them.
0: I love that. How did you get into this? What was pre-FMM, pre-Anytime Flooring? Who is who is? <coughs> Was it monk at the time, or, well, or Steven, was it, so it was Steven So
1: Stephen yeah, yeah, okay. Stephen. I worked at my family calls me Stevie too, which is Stevie. Three, okay, three names. Um, so the uh, so I started uh, in college. My family is entrepreneurs. My uh, my dad was a mechanic growing up. I worked in the mechanic shop with him for a long time. My mom did the books, worked the front desk. Um, you know, challenging living back back then. You know, mechanics didn't wear rubber gloves. You know, they weren't all clean and proper, and the shops weren't all beautiful. In fact, at one point we had a uh, a shop pig, like a little pig that lived in the shop, it ran Seriously? Seriously, oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, we had a dog, a shop dog, because out on Florida Boulevard, where the shop was, the the dog had gotten hit by a car, so he, he ended up had to get his leg cut off. And my parents are big animal people, as am I. They couldn't bear to see that getting put down. So he, he was a three legged dog and his name was Stu. All the guys in the shop named him Stu for short for stupid because he got hit by a car. And so, <laughs> and so it was an adventure uh, it, it, at the at the shop forever. Um, and uh, I really learned a lot just, you know, working with your hands and and um, and, you know, learning how to to do things. Uh, that weren't these days very computer related. Everything back then was not computers. It was, you know, carburetors and to spray some carburetor cleaner in there to get the car started. Right. You know, spark plugs, you know, the, the, the big engines, you know, all the excitement, the loud glass packs and all that. So uh, I had a lot of fun doing that growing up until I got old enough to realize that it wasn't as much fun. And it was punishment when I was bad at school. I had to, my dad took me out of school actually for a week one time. And made me work Yo. at the shop for free, cleaning the floors, the grease. It was, what'd you do? Yeah, man, I, I I went back to school the next week and tried not to get in trouble. No, what'd you do to get in <clears throat> trouble? Can't or is it that's it's, it's classified? I was bad growing <laughs> up. I was, I was bad. Uh, and in fact, when it was time for me to go to, to high school, uh, my mom was like, look, we're going to try to get you in Catholic High. My grades weren't that great. And, you know, my family has a, 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 a little legacy at Catholic High. And um, my uncle Skip Phillips was a managing partner at Taylor Porter, the law firm for a long time, an esteemed Catholic high alum. Well, I was pretty much a 180 from him (laughs) at that point in (laughs) my life. And so, uh, and so, you know, she's like, look, you're going to go interview and take the test and do all that stuff. And so I did. And, uh, and she's like, basically, look, you you see the Catholic high or LTI, which was the, the, you know, kind of the prison school for young men. And so, uh, the day they sent out the letters, I, I got to my house and it looked like uh, a hungry dog on the back of a meat truck had opened up that letter. All my aunts, my own, everybody was so worried about Stevie <laughs> that they had already got to the house and ripped the open letter to see if I got in or not. You
0: got home and there was like a, like a uh, car parking yeah, lot just yeah. in your house. Like, yeah. Who is
1: here? Yes, you thought somebody like was trying to, to, to steal my mail and find some kind of classified document. Yeah, but,
0: or they were going to have an intervention. Yes. <laughs> All right, Stevie, you brought the whole family together. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, and so... Uh, fortunately, I did get in. I, I did not want to go to Catholic High. I wanted to go to Bel Air because that's where I grew up, living in that area. And um, but fortunately, I, I, I did get in, and that was a big life changing moment for me. You know, meeting people who, you know, quite frankly, weren't like me. You know, I grew up working in a shop. We didn't have a lot of money, and uh, you know, I met people with wealth, and just started, you know, realizing that there was another side to life if you if you can kind of do things the right way and and um, build relationships with the right people. So uh, that was big. And then from there, man, I went up to LSU, did a little banking, worked in the bank for a little while as a teller at Hancock Whitney. And then uh, from there, I became a waiter at D'Angelo's, you know, pizza. He was around Baton Rouge forever. And uh, my good friend, Ray Mitchell, uh, hired me as a waiter. He was the GM. And uh, I didn't know him at the time, but uh, that'll come full circle. He hired me. I started waiting tables. I was killing it. I loved it, interacting with people and, you know, just 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 running and gunning the whole time. I got really good at that and became a, another, a manager there alongside Ray and then eventually was promoted to the franchise trainer. So if you bought a franchise when the D'Angelo's were franchising, you trained with me and one other person. And uh, one of the people that I actually trained was Bob Brunet uh, of Brunet's Cajun Restaurant. He's, he's since closed it. but um, And uh, Bob was uh, was going into the business because he had already sort of retired. Well, Donnie Gyro, a friend of mine, and Bobby Waters wanted to open a D'Angelo's really, really bad. In Denham Springs. Well, Lewis, the the guy who owned the deal was like, "Look, I'm not your real estate construction guys. I'm not selling you a franchise unless you have a restaurant guy." Well, they were friends with Bob, and they said, "Bob, come on out of retirement, <laughs> man. We need a restaurant guy." So the whole time I'm training Bob, he's just just he's like, "Man, I do not want to do this. I'm just trying to get it open." But uh, Bob and I built a strong relationship, and after they were open for a few months, uh, I called Bob I said, "Bob, would you want to get out? Because I, I really, you know, I want to I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I don't want to keep right. working somewhere." And
0: Bob's like, "Yes." And that's, uh, that's how can I got it. Can I pay you to take my share? Yeah, I mean, I mean they they, <laughs> they basically
1: were like, he's like, come sweat equity, man, come on. And so I did. And ironically enough, Ray um, Mitchell, who had hired me, came with me as, as a partner as well. And so we ended up with the D'Angelo's in Denham Springs. Uh, we acquired the one in Prairieville, and we also opened one in Bruley. And then we sold those uh, back to Lewis because he uh, stopped franchising and started getting the restaurants back corporate-owned. And so um, got out of that and... Um, and Bobby Waters, my business partner at the time, him and Donnie were like, man, what are you going to do? Well, Louis wanted to hire me back, and I had enough restaurants. I was getting a little older, and I said, man, I'll come work with, with you, Bob, and we'll go do construction. I don't know anything about construction. He goes, well, I'll pay you X amount of year, and I don't know what you're going to do, but, but you work hard, and let's do it. <laughs> so you just, like, pull construction out of thin air? He, he was already in the business. Bobby okay, was. so Bobby was in the business. Yeah, he okay. was in the business, and he's like, just come work for me. I don't know what you're going to do, but. I know you work hard. I like you. I've seen what you've done here, and so Just come. Fi- we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, and um, uh, and we we sure figured it out right into the gutter. But uh, <laughs> wait, what happened? Man, we, we had a construction company. And we got rolling in two thousand eight. Happened. Okay, know, the economic yeah. crisis, and so we didn't get paid from a lot of people, and we owed a lot of vendors a lot
0: of money, and people owed us a lot of money, but nobody could pay anybody, and so um, that's the crazy thing about construction that not a people, not a lot of people realize is the timeliness of receivables. That's right and how long they're going to be aging. That's right. I mean, that's for a a variety of businesses that deal with larger corporations or larger organizations. They, no, we'll give you 30, we'll give you 60, we'll give you 90 days. That's right. And it's forever waiting, and it's almost impossible to get something like that started when you have such long aging. That's right. No, it is, and it's even scarier in the construction
1: business because we were building stuff for people, and they were getting their funding from the banks. Well, when things dried up, the banks quit giving them their draws because- all, everything got out of whack. The the loan to values were out of whack. Everything was out of whack. They weren't going to be able to sell them because because int- interest rates were everything was shut down. Yeah, nobody could buy houses. Nobody could. it was just nothing was happening. So the bank quit giving them their money, and they quit paying us. Well, we had we were always ahead, right? We had always we were ready for the well, third. We were draw. ahead of schedule. Yeah, gotcha. like so yeah. We're, we're we're ready for the third draw. We've done the the third draw worth of work. We're ready for the payment. Well, two thousand eight hits, and you're the guy with no chair, you know, because the bank's not paying them, and they're not paying you. So it was very, very stressful. Um, and so we ended up closing that business. I was this close to bankruptcy in 2008, 2009. It was scary. I remember my grandfather went through the 80s. And uh, and I remember I was just didn't know what to do. So I called him, and he came to my office. And um, and I said, Gramps, I said, what, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I was almost in tears, you know, and he's sitting on the couch. And he looks at me, he goes, Stevie. He called me Bucky. That's the fourth name. Sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: he said, Bucky, <laughs> let me tell you something, buddy. He's like, look, um, he goes, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. When I wasn't went through the eighties, um, I give you my three my three rules. Number one, if somebody calls you, answer the phone, whether the news is good or not. Right, answer the phone. Number two, if you tell them you're gonna pay them something, pay them. Just don't tell them, don't lie, pay them. And the third one, he said, he goes, if you absolutely have to pay somebody, and you don't have the money, mail them a check don't sign it. It'll buy you an extra week. <laughs> and it kind of made me laugh. You know, we were sitting there and we had a little chuckle and that kind of got me out of my, out of my, uh, funk a little bit. And, um, but I'm very proud to say, man, we worked through, it. you know, I went, me and Bobby split the people that we owed money to. And, and, uh, and we, um, you know, went and conquered those, those vendors and some of them we conquered together, you know, some of them were big and, we didn't hide from anybody. We went and met with them, said, look, I owe you, you know, 200 grand. Me and Bobby own this piece of property That's we owe 200 on it. It's worth 400. We'll give you it for what we owe. And, you know, a lot of these people were like, man, everybody's hiding from us. You guys are coming to us trying to find solutions to get us paid. And right. And uh, as fate would have it, um, paid all the banks, paid all the vendors. You know, we did everything that we needed to do to get, get it right. And, look, it took seven to ten years. I'll never forget. I wrote the last check to to one of these companies, and the guy was like, man, what – what are you even doing now? And I told him about FMM, you know, and he's and so now we do maintenance work for him constantly, you know, that because they trust us, right? They trust right. me because of the of what we went through. So
0: seven years,
1: yeah, it took me a long time, man. Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, some of these people I would pay a you know, hundred dollars a month if I could, and I owe them like eight thousand dollars, and then I pay him a thousand if I got a thousand. It was just it was tough times, but uh, but that's what FMM was born out of. Uh, Facilities maintenance management is what FMM stands for. And in two thousand nine, I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I said, uh, you know, I want to open a company that's. A little more recession-proof, economy-proof, if you will. So I said, maintenance. If 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 we're sitting here talking and your, your your electricity goes out, or if this building the toilets aren't working, or if the AC is broken, it doesn't matter what the economy's like. You, you're gonna fix it, right? So I I, uh, I said I want to do that because I knew a lot of people in construction who were great with a lot of different things, but they didn't have jobs anymore. And so I said I'm gonna go do that. And so 2010 came along, and I was looking for some money because I was broke. And I said, you know what? I started searching through my little list of debts that I had, and I had one $50,000 line of credit that had zero balance. It was an unsecured line. I was like, man, I forgot about that. Because back back before, they were giving out lines of credit. Yeah. Unsecured, like, no big deal. Man. It was a very loose banking system. And so I said, man. So my banker, I knew if I went in there, he knew what was going on. I knew he would be like, dude, no, like well, that's not yeah. supposed to be open. So I went it's not supposed to be. Yeah, he's like we should have closed that. <laughs> but we didn't.
0: So he, I, it's a it's a paperwork yes. while you're here the the contract's yes. drawn. Out. I just need you to sign. Close the monk just sign the piece of paper. <laughs>
1: Close it. <laughs> so he goes he says um he goes I, I, I go to a different branch. I knew where my banker was, right? He was at the branch downtown. So I went to the branch on Highland Road of this bank because nobody knew me, and I went and I hit the line of credit and I got a cashier's check because no. I had my ID. I didn't do anything wrong, you know. It was like my <laughs> line of credit. The very next day, the banker calls me. He's like, "Monk," I was like, "Hey, man, what's up?" The guy's name was Maurice, and we called him Mo Money. Mo Money. But then it became, <laughs> but then it became, then it became no Mo money. No right? Mo money. <laughs> so, so he says, he says, Monk. He goes, "I see you hit that line of credit." I said, "Yeah." He goes. We forgot that was out there, but what are you doing with the money? i <laughs> a new company, a maintenance company. He's like, well, how are you going to pay us back? I said, I got a year to figure that out. <laughs> I don't know because it matured, you know, a little, a, a little under a year. I was like, oh. And he's like, bro, come on. And I'm like, I had $5,000 left in my name and that $50,000. So $55,000. That's how to your name. I it like, Yeah. fifty-five dollars I opened up the company, hired a couple of people, hired a really great tech, hired a, a, a girl named Shelly who's still with me to this day, first person I ever hired. Um, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, and uh, as as fate would have it, we all just worked hard, kept hiring great people, and uh, and then FM, you know, became what it is today. Did you pay off the line of credit? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they closed it immediately. I paid <laughs> no, <on>. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: all right,
1: it's over, done. <laughs> yep. yep. Thanks for shopping. Yeah. We appreciate your business ish. <laughs> I mean,
0: how did they? How do you miss that?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It was definitely. I think because there was so much bad stuff going on. It was a zero balance line. I guess they weren't caring it was, about and it, and it was just open. Like it was a line of credit. I, I could have went and got a thousand dollars off of it, right? And it still would
0: have alerted them. But I'm like I'm going big. Uh, if I'm going in, it's, did you almost feel like you were rob? Like, was it a little bit of like a robbing a bank feeling? Well, kind of. It, it was two things. It was
1: like I'm robbing the bank, but I'm also I can survive for a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I know, like well, fifty
0: thousand dollars. You got
1: something to get your feet off the ground, exactly. Gosh, and, and we got it off the ground, and man, we our goal the first year I think was four hundred grand. We want to do four hundred grand in revenue. I think we did a little for the first year. Mm-hmm. I think we did like a million, and it just took off. Okay, and so we've had a revenue increase, you know, every year that we've been in business since then, and. um 2023, I think we ended up around 48 million in revenue total for FMM. So that's incredible. Yeah, which I don't mind sharing that. But I mean, we do the business report stuff with, the, and then we yeah. do the, you know, it's all pu- going to be public knowledge. And the Inc. the Inc. 5000, which we've been on for like eight years straight, I think, the fastest growing companies in America. That's incredible. It is. It's been great. And and it's funny because we uh, people are like, man, how you do it? I'm like, we got, I got a great team of people. And any business owner who's successful knows that. You know, at the end of the day. There's only so much one
0: person can do, right? You know, so. So, and your first hire came pretty quickly. Is what it sounds like. You got, you know, you stole from the bank, and then you immediately hired somebody. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> the irony is, she came. She, she, I owned, I owned, a house that I was didn't know what I was going to do with,
1: and I, and so I had to get a renter. And so her husband moved here to work for ServerPro. They came from Mississippi, and she didn't okay. have a job. And so my real estate agent who leased the house said, "Hey, I have this lady who needs a job," and I'm like,
0: "Bring her in." <laughs> And Her name's Shelley. And Shelley Jones, and I hired her, and so we. Uh, so it was just a full. It was a full circle of of, uh, of an economy. Yep, she, you would pay her. She pay your rent, and then it's full circle. Thank you. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't have to lose that house. I didn't have to give it back to the bank. There you go. Well, Look, there you go. Sold it, made some money on it. <laughs> eventually. So in those in those early days, going through, I mean, at that point, you had had some experience both being in restaurant construction. Were you actually going out on the jobs and like being hands on or what was your initial role with FMM? Yeah, man. So my, my initial role
1: was really, um, business development and finding good quality people. So Brian Weaver was one of the, one of the first, he was the first tech we hired and Shelly was the first office person we hired. And so, um, so I got started with those two people. Shelly ended up, I didn't know what she was going to be, but she ended up being great, man. And she still is, you know, she's, she's worked her way up in our company. Uh, and like I said, she's the first person we hired still with us today, which is amazing. Um and so Brian was a high caliber guy who had his own tools, his own truck. So I went out immediately, started to rustle up business to, to talk to people. Just I mean, it was, you know, seven days a week, like whatever it took, I had to go get business, you know, I had to right. drive revenue. So that was my main goal. Um, quite frankly, you know, I worked on cars and did a lot of that kind of stuff so I could be handy, but that wasn't my highest and best use. I knew that if I was on a truck trying to learn these trades like these guys knew them and get on my tools, there was only so much we could do without somebody going out and building the relationships and building the business. And so that was my main focus. Um, and then fortunately, like I said, I, I was able to get, you know, Brian on board initially and then Shelly and then it is sort of you hire great people and then they know great people and it got to the point where we, you know, we, we had a really good staff and um, and we were able to actually perform, you know, main something work uh, in the first year, which was, which was awesome. And so.
0: So my dad has an industrial plumbing company, so I'm familiar with getting into plants and how tricky that is. Mm-hmm. Did you have a sector where you knew you were going to have an ease of entry and to start work or were you just kind of Calling anybody and everybody you know, like where like where do you look for that first customer? Sure. That's
1: that's a great question. So so
0: so when you're out there and you're and you're you know uh, just
1: trying to, to harvest some crops, right? You're out there just planting seeds, and, and if they grow, meeting people. Um, you know, uh, one of the first big clients we had was uh, was MMO Medical Management Options, and and I met a, a lady named Chris Nichols. Miss she she recently passed away, um, uh, and her son Rob Miller uh, ended up he was running all their hospitals and stuff, and so it, just through those relationships. She said, man, we have our own maintenance people on staff, but they don't really do a great job. So that was really the first in that I had. But outside of that, you know, we would go do a little bit of work for, you know, Mango's Volleyball. We'd go fix something at, at, at a restaurant, you know, a small restaurant. We were doing small-time stuff just to get going out there. But but MMO was our first big entry into um, having, you know, a good client that had multiple locations that allowed us to go higher and had a monthly recurring contract. But, but it didn't come because we were so specialized in the – that they did mental health hospitals – it didn't come because we were so specialized in mental health. It came because Miss Chris and Rob and I just established a good, trusting relationship, and they knew that I would do whatever it took to, to try to make sure things were done right. And um, and they gave me a chance and believed in me. So it was, you know, it was just business development, building relationships, and going that route. And, and hiring great people to perform the work that right. was important.
0: You yeah. know, you got to deliver on what you're going to say. You're right. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and that was a big thing. I I I, I tend to people say, "Man, hey, overpromise, underdeliver." No, I, I want to overpromise and overdeliver. And the only way to do that in our industry is to have great people. And right. fortunately, I had Shelly, I had Brian, and other technicians that we had brought on board um, You know, under him that he would train and, and work with and manage. And so that's how it kind of took off.
0: I love it. So the, the 50000 was a good gateway, but were you ever worried that you weren't going to be able to pay it back? You know,
1: um, there's been a few times where in, in the history of the company, or early on like that because it was an interest-only line of credit, it, the, the money was the minimal interest only yeah line interest only credit. line of credit yeah so it was minimal you know so I, I just paying interest every month so i wasn't as worried about that because i knew when it came up it was it was unsecured they just had my my personal guarantee which at the time you, you know 5000 dollars to your name you know exactly what are they going to do <laughs> like okay i mean come take my pants i, mean, I wouldn't you know my shirt what are you going to do i don't have nothing and so the bank worked with me because they saw that the business actually was generating some revenue and was paying in a timely manner so i wasn't worried necessarily about paying that back but as the business grew, um, I grew it really, really quickly. And uh, that was scary because I didn't have the the capital behind me to do that. And um, you can grow yourself out of business from yeah. a cash flow standpoint.
0: Right, a cash flow standpoint and also from a work order versus manpower standpoint for y'all. Exactly. If you have the, the hospital putting in 100 work orders within a given month or whatever, I don't know what the numbers are, but if they're putting in an absurd amount of work orders and you don't have the staff. exactly. I mean, did you ever get to that point? Where you were understaffed. We, we, we did. We got
1: to a point where we had a lot of work coming in. But fortunately, at the time, see, the the, the, the economic situation was such that we were able to go get people pretty quick. Because back then, it, it was the polar opposite of what we have going on now. It's hard to find good people, right? Everybody is looking up, you know, looking for people. Right. You know, I saw a sign at a fast food restaurant somewhere I was at over the weekend. It said, we are now hiring just like everyone else. That's what it said on their billboard. Yeah, seriously. You know, they, they didn't even try to hide it. You know, They're yeah. just like, now hiring great employees just like everyone else. And so, but back then, the economy was trying to recover because I opened in 2010, and that okay. was kind of the beginning of the recovery. So for the first two, three years, there was always people out there that were looking for good jobs that were in that industry. Um, and so it really wasn't that big of a struggle. We just knew, hey, we got the revenue coming in. Hey, Brian, or hey, Robbie, or hey, whoever was working for us, who do you know? And they would bring in some guys. We'd interview them. And look, back then, I mean we didn't have HR, we didn't drug test, we didn't do anything. Like it was like just, oh cool, you're you can you got tools and you know how to do stuff. Let's yeah. go. You got you got tools,
0: driver's license. All right. Yeah. yeah you sure. look you're 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 sober today. Great. Today. <laughs> and, today. Come, and come to work tomorrow. Thank you. And keep being sober.
1: <laughs> yes. And so that was the beginning of it. it. It was and and so that wasn't a challenge back then. It was more the cash flow and the managing of capital because because like MMO was a big company back then and they, you know, look, their cash flow. Same as ours, they're waiting on Medicare payments and all that stuff. Well they're you know, their cash flow is like I said, it, it was tough, just bigger numbers, you know. And so we would wait on them and they would pay us and eventually I was able to get a line of credit against my receivables. And once you get that kind of stuff in place, that's what really allows you to have some growth. But but I I just couldn't stop, man. I I, I couldn't stop. I we grew so fast. I mean, it was crazy. So I was cash flow has always been our issue up into the past few years where you know, we've it's finally caught up. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've, we've the, the cash flow is caught up with the business because we've changed a lot of our uh, strategies and procedures, collections, deposits. We get down on jobs. We do things of that nature. And also we expanded into doing, you know, construction work, which wasn't in the initial plan, but we do quite a bit of that now as well.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, initially doing like, the repairs and maintenance, that's not as a, much of a bit upfront bill, right? right? You know, if you're going right. in and you're changing out a handful of light bulbs, that's all you got. But that's if you're right. going in like initially for construction you're buying all the lumber, the materials, you have a big material bill exactly. that hits you right in the beginning before you even start whereas the maintenance it sounds like it's almost a lot lower product costs, and now it's just the actual labor cost right. work
1: with. That's right. Yeah, I, I equate it to sort of like, you know, if you if you go going um, if you go to Taco Bell to get something to eat, you know, it's it's a you know, you can get 10 bucks, you can get a great meal. Well, it's different from Roosh Chris, you know what I mean? For, and and so so Chris, you know, you're going to pay 150, 200 bucks a person. Well, the Taco Bell, you have to do a lot more revenue to get some good margins to make that good money. Um, you're still I love those industries because they get paid instantly, right? <laughs> they don't even have to wait like we did. <laughs> but when you start doing the bigger stuff, you know, your your bills for filet mignons are a lot lot bigger than than for you know tortillas. Yeah. You know, and so um as we started doing construction, it it helped with our uh, ability to grow because of the the when we would get payments, they'd be nice size payments. But also, it, it challenged us from a cash flow perspective all the way up the ladder until we were able to get big enough to demand you know the deposits and to demand um, certain payment terms. You know, We have a whole collections department now. Back then, I was the collections. And I hated
0: I, – I, I'm not a controversial guy to be like, oh, can you please? Yeah, I, that's we, – we, we got an office manager at the firm and heard moving on to collections was the best thing because can't – just you know your strengths, know your weaknesses. That's my weakness. Yeah. Can't call somebody and be hey – so, listen, um, 100%. there's yeah. this bill. We don't have to talk about it. Just, just just, just, pay it. When you can. Please. When, you, when you can. When Preferably when you can. today. <laughs> yeah. But if not, I understand. It'd be yeah. great if it would be, <laughs> I'm on my way to your office. Can I right. pick, it up, right. <laughs> right. pick right. it up in five minutes? <laughs> right. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to be able to pay my employees. <laughs> yeah. And I hate to say that. But, but you know, I don't want to put any stress on you, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I I Look, I totally get that. Yeah. And were you even, at the time you went into the instruction side and you expanded into that, Mm-hmm. Was the maintenance doing so much so that you had a little bit more comfort? I mean, because if I'm going into the field in which I lost, because ultimately in the 08, you had to close mm-hmm. down the construction that's business. Right. I mean, you're, going, you're returning to the battlefield where you lost. Right. What was that like?
1: Man, that's 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 actually a great question. So we we went into that with a different perspective. So what what we did when my previous company had to be closed, we were doing a lot of spec building for other people and some for ourselves. So we would go build commercial buildings from the ground up, houses from the ground up. What we were doing in at FMM, we would do renovations, commercial buildouts. We weren't taking the the risk of the ground up construction having to manage that, um, you know, and 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 put together hard bids and compete for bids. A lot of it was direct hire, negotiated work, and we could self perform some of it. You see what I am saying? Because we had maintenance techs, so if our techs, you know, if we, if we were busy in the field but we had some slow days, we could have our techs go out there and do the sheetrock hanging and you know, do some of the uh, framing, things of that nature, right? And so we didn't jump back into the same construction as we had before. We got into the more uh, renovations, remodels, stuff like that, and that still rings true today. I'm not uh, I'm not going to compete. You're not going to see FMM on a bid list bidding against, you know, Lemoyne and Womack and Arkell. In fact, those guys are clients of ours. You know, we, we do some work for them as a sub just to help them with punch lists from time to time, But but we don't go bid that big competitive bid work uh, we have clients all around the nation. We actually have gotten into some pretty massive apartment renovation work, and so um, it's 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 gotten yeah, that's huge. It's huge. So we go in, and it's a very low risk. Mm. Yeah, you know, because we're doing floors, paint, cabinets, appliances, um, light fixtures, plumbing fixtures, no real construction per se, and then we'll renovate the exteriors as well if they need it. Um, but we go in with our super subs, and they just travel with us around the nation, and it's it's become a big thing. Our 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 facility services has expanded. Like I said, from Florida to East Texas, basically the South, you know, the Gulf Coast region. But the project stuff has has we've gotten kind of in a niche, and we're working for some pretty big national and international firms, renovating their complexes. You know, we just we just started one in Seattle
0: this week. So, how do you? When was the point in time where you crossed state lines? So that was probably about two, two years ago.
1: We uh, one of our clients we were working with here at a, a big apartment complex on Southern's campus. They um, they're out of New York. We built a great relationship with them, and uh, they're like, "Look, y'all shouldn't doing work on state." I'm like, oh. I'm
0: like, all right, maybe that's, that's a big risk. It's a big
1: risk, and so um, you know, our team got together. We talked through it. So, man, we can manage it. Um, and so uh, we went. To, we went and took a ten million dollar job on in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, in Florida State's campus. Big exterior, interior renovation. You know, we started just doing a great job, communicating well. Again, great people, right? Right. The, like, the, I would deal with the high ups every now and then, but my team was dealing with their team. Great people, guys that had kind of been, you know, grown from within. That have mm-hmm. been with us for six, seven, eight, nine years. That were learning the processes and understanding how to treat the customers the right way and do the right thing. Starting that, next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, we got one in Kansas, you know, K State's camp or uh, uh, Kansas's campus." I'm like, all right, and uh, I'm like, all right, now we're doing one from a college station. So now it's it's now we're in Canton, Ohio, with them, North Carolina, South Carolina, and, and now we have three or four other clients similar to them because we started marketing that specific. Um, trade, I'll call it, you know, traveling around doing apartment renovations and clubhouse renovations. And uh, we started going to the big apartment, National Apartment Association um, conferences and and setting up booths, investing a lot of money there. And it's really paid off. That's where we got about 10 million in work going on in Las Vegas. About to pick up some more in Reno. About to sign one in Colorado. um,
0: North Carolina, South Carolina,
1: Florida, Mississippi, Alabama.
0: It's starting to really... It's like trickling around the nation. Yeah, it really is. So, and y'all went from contractor level to now be in a sub for main contracting organization or what's the relationship there so
1: so on the the jobs nationwide we're the we're the prime we 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 do everything um but we we have a plumbing department and an electrical department that that we do sub work for other contractors here in town so we've you know we've done more like for example we we have some big plumbing projects going on with Womac construction you know we do um uh, our flooring company which is a separate llc but the flooring company does a lot of work for lemoyne for Womac, for block companies like that so we you know we have to be very careful because sometimes if they don't know me or or Tony my partner well enough sometimes they they like wait a minute FMMs a general contractor do we want to do business with them or with any time are they a competitor or not competitor right i imagine it would get like complicated yeah. at some point it, it was tough for a little while but until people realize that we're doing work that they that's just not what they do you know yeah. they they build ground up stuff they do competitive bid stuff and um we're not in their market, and and, and it, it didn't take a long time for them to realize that because when they would go to the pre-bid meetings, everybody gets a copy of the pre-bid list, and you see every GC that's on there. You're not going to see FMM on there. Gotcha. It's just not what we do, you know. And so that that really um, has kind of dust has settled on that. So it's worked out well. So we're we're still doing work for a lot of the the bigger GCs, but as a sub, yeah. whether it's flooring, plumbing, or electrical.
0: So for the for the renovation space, you're the you would be the GC. Correct. Working directly with the customer, but if somebody's Correct. looking for a ground up, then they're going to work with the GC, who then could work with exactly.
1: You. So if somebody called me and said, "Hey, man, we want you to build a ground up apartment complex in, you know, wherever Mississippi or whatever," yeah, I mean, it's not what we do. So what we would do is reach out to one of our partners and be like, "Hey, would you be interested in, you know, and being the GC on this and bidding it? We can be kind of your partner, and y'all can take the lead because we don't we don't do that, you know." So we, and
0: like, what's the to get it for the people listening? What's the technical difference between those? Between being the GC versus being the sub, yeah. So, one or the so, other. so
1: being a general contractor, you're responsible for everything you do on the job. So, for example, in Seattle, we're the GC. So, the client talks to us. We're responsible for the entire scope of the project. Right? Doesn't matter who we hire to do the work, whether we're doing it with our own people or subs, or they don't care. They have one neck to choke. Okay. Whereas being a subcontractor under uh, a GC, that GC is responsible for everything, and we're just part of the. 50 subs or however many they have underneath that gc we're just part of that team but at the end of the day we have no direct contact with the owner unless the gc requests us to 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 be there for a meeting they deal with everything and we work under them as a subcontractor so you basically have a general contractor relationship which fmm has on multiple projects specifically the the renovations and rehabs nationwide and then we also participate as a subcontractor which we work under gc's uh, on jobs. so
0: that's that's the difference between those two relationships Gosh, gotcha. and I guess I mean it makes sense. If somebody's doing a, a rehab or a refurbish; they've probably already got the funding like on lock.
1: They do, and and so when they're when, when these big apartment companies, like I said, the ones we deal with, none of them are small. They're they're massive companies. Um, going back to my old days of being broke and not having cash flow, you know, we demand a a pretty significant, you know, thirty percent upfront deposit before we will swing one hammer, which is a big change from the way I used to do it. I used to want to get so much revenue, right? You know, then like, all right, you know, we'll get started. I know you're going to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that got me in trouble. You know? Yeah. And so, um, so with these new contractors, we have these or these new clients, we have these relationships where we're like, look, you know, we're ready to get started. We here's our deposit. And it ranges anywhere from twenty to forty percent. I mean, we you know, one on it. if it's
0: an existing customer, I'm sure, versus a new customer. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Some these new customers come out, we're like, Look, this is gonna be our deposit amount. Um, you know, most of the time though they you know, we, we have the um we have the institutional knowledge, we have the um branding, we have the uh, you know, they, they were a known entity now, right. They, they can look at us and see in the market what we've done, call other people. Oh yeah, we've worked with them. They're good. And so they know, look, we're not, if you want to work with us, that's great, but we can't, we're not going to expose ourselves right out of the gate to financial destruction
0: because you say you're good for it. And was that like a, almost a founding principle when you went and opened FMM was to not repeat that mistake? Um, uh, it was until
1: I realized that I was small in a nothing burger, and I pretty much had to go get business, and that was not going to be the easy <laughs> way to get it. So it was like, yeah, I'm not going to get in that position again. Well, yeah, yeah. Customers are like, who are you? <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> giving you a deposit. You're going to disappear. <laughs> like, no, I promise I won't. I only have only owe fifty thousand dollars.
0: I only owe an unsecure fifty thousand dollars of credit.
1: <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, that's so that's that's how it all kind of got rolling. But then as we got bigger, it's like anything, any other business. You know, you start getting bigger, and you're able to to leverage your um, your abilities. And so that's what we did. And it was uh it's 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 good now because the customers understand look, these guys are legit. They're gonna do a good job, you know. And and some of it too, we have to bond jobs now as well. You know, so that's a whole nother um level that you know people don't a lot of people in construction don't have to do. But So we, what what is that? So there's bonding companies, basically what they do is it's almost like a a bank, it's not a bank loan, but the bonding company comes in and says, so for example we have a 10 million dollar job. We got to get a 10 million dollar bond. Well the bonding company says okay uh, we're going to put the bond up. And what that means is is that if we don't pay our subcontractors, like if we get paid from the client and we don't pay our subcontractors and we leave the job and something goes wrong, the bonding company will step in and clear up the liens and pay the bills and make sure everything's fine for the customer. So it's a protection for the customer that we provide. Well, not all companies can get bonding. You have to have a good balance sheet. I know you know about balance sheets. Yep, yep. You got to have a strong balance sheet. Well, you know, I didn't have the strongest balance sheet for quite some time. And so it became a real important deal for us to get our balance sheet strong enough to, to get the bonding. So we did, and now that's allowed us to go and compete in markets that smaller companies can't. FMM, five years ago, can't go get a $10 million bond. right? Mm-hmm. And so now we're starting to grow, and now you're getting into these markets where you're financially strong enough to be able to produce the bond, you know, produce the work, produce the subcontractors, and demand the deposit. And it's funny how it works. When you're small... You want to do a good job, and you're going to go kill it. Give me the deposit. Eh, you're, eh, you know. you're, you're, you're too small.
0: But
2: you're I don't
1: too know small. Who you are. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you just start, and we'll get to you. And you're like, okay, you know, you take that risk. And as you start turning that corner, they're like, these guys are legit. They're going to do a great job. They have pricing their pricings in line. They have the management. Um, their owners, their owner communicates. He knows what's going on. His team knows what's going on. They can bond the job. Clearly, their balance sheet's good enough to get bonding for ten million dollars. Got it. Deposit. Pew. We got a million three wired last week for Seattle. You know. When did you reach that level? When I'm was embarrassed the- to say about 12 months ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm not going laugh <laughs> to see you to man. Look, but but hey, that's, if anybody's taking anything for the the first part of the show is that you're open, you're honest, and you're going to come forward with whatever you can. Sure, man. So I, and, yeah. and, and, and being that the 12 months ago, like, that's just, that plays right into who you are as, as, a, as a leader, who you are as a manager is, look, we're not going to BS you anyway. Right. And so, okay, so 12 months ago was the turning point. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, we had, we had to figure out how to get bonding and- I mean, I had to go to my bonding agent and she, her name's Fiona she, and, and she's at Brunson Bonding and she's like, I don't know how we're gonna get this done. I'm like, well, let's, let's figure it out. You know, we, and we grinded through it and we got it done. You know, once you get the first one done and they trust you a little bit and, and that was a small one, it was three four million, you know, and then five million, seven million, you know, and, and it just, you, but you gotta make sure you keep that balance sheet growing because
0: you can only uh, fake it till you make it for so long. Well, and especially with something like that. So yeah. for, <laughs> from the cash flow side of things, what people may not realize whenever they get into the business, depending on how they arrange it, when they get time to taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're working off an accrual basis and you have all these outstanding ARs, right. you've already recognized that revenue. That's right. And if that folds over into the end of the year, no matter how much cash you got, the revenue you reported, you got to pay taxes on. That's right. Whether you got the cash or not. And so some businesses, especially construction companies, Absolutely. will have to get loans from a bank to pay their tax bill. Yes. We call that phantom income. Yeah. Phantom income. It's just it, you're paying you're
1: paying taxes on income that's not in your pocket. It's not in your bank account. So, how did y'all get through that initially? Well, fortunately, I also do a lot of real estate investing <laughs> <laughs> outside of uh, of <laughs> FMM. So, you know my uh, uh, my CPA Chip Chestine, He's he's been a friend and my CPA for twenty years now, and uh, he helps me navigate those waters. Now, I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. It must have been four years ago, five years ago. I went and met with him. He's like he's like all right, monk. He's like here's your tax bill. $50,000. I was like, what? I don't, I don't have $50,000. It's like, they'll, they'll let you pay over time. They charge you a lot of interest. And I'm like, pay over time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll never forget that. My first tax bill, he's like, he looked
0: at me, and goes, Monk, you're starting to get real. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be real, man. It's a different type of conversation. It is when people go from, oh, I got a great refund, got a great That's refund. Right. And they're like, wait, and they start seeing it shrink over time. And then it goes the other way. 100%. And they're like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Why are we going the other way? That's right. It, it's it's totally different. And I've had customers that I've been with them long enough or clients that I've been with long enough to see that cycle. Sure. And now they're on the other end and they're like, all right, man, what can I do to get this tax bill lower? Right. How can I get this bill lower? And I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, got to spend the money. (laughs) Well, there's two things that go into that. I've learned, right? You do got
1: to spend the money. But another thing, you know, some of my, and look, fortunately I've had a lot of people help me, man. I mean, a lot of people help me a lot, a lot of wealthy people in Baton Rouge who just, you know, came up the same way I did, um, or were already wealthy and they're just good people and, and coached me and, and helping me learn things that you, when you come from, you know, a, a place of not a ton of wealth, you don't understand some of these methods. And so they helped me a lot, but also, you know, tax planning, you got to have to pay it. So, you know, one of my buddies is like, man, you need to start paying quarterly taxes. I'm like, what? Crazy. Now this year, I'm like, I need to pay quarterly taxes. You know, it's just one of those things where once you get
0: punched in the face with a huge tax bill, Mm -hmm. you know, it's six digits. It's a, uh, it's very unpleasant. It's it's a game changer because you think you're running so tight whenever you're managing your cash flow. That's right. And you never see a six digit number sitting in your account for the most part. That's right. Otherwise you pay it in for your tax bill. Because you're trying to constantly grow, and that growth phase is so hard, especially when you're profitable and you've got massive AR. Right. It's so hard to then grow because every March 15th, from a company standpoint, if it's a company offside your personal return, you're like, oh, snap. That's right. I've got a bill to pay, but I'm waiting on cash to come in. But every dollar I get, I'm investing it back into the company. But sometimes it's not deductible. Mm-hmm. And so then you just get backed up to a wall. And yeah, I had to have that conversation yeah. with my wife a couple years ago. I'm like, hey. <laughs> We hey baby, this <laughs> Patty G show is killing it. We gotta pay some taxes, baby. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, we gotta start paying some taxes. She's like, but no. I was like, let's. It's how it works. Stop making videos. <laughs> like it, it, it is what it is. But in those early days, you may not think you're, you're crushing it because you're just constantly behind on those bills. If you don't manage your cash flow right. well, that's right. And so getting to the point where the deposits are in play. I mean, now it's yeah. Now you walk in and say, okay, we can do this. Thirty percent down, and we'll start tomorrow. That's right. We literally got, got a text earlier from one of my league guys. He's like, hey, man, we got this client.
1: He's a great client. We call him Stevie J. Stevie J just needs us in Arlington. You know, I'm like, when? I was like, how much? He's like, $2.5 All right. When do you need to start? ASAP. Yesterday. <laughs> All right, send a deposit. <laughs> Put it in the tax account. Uh, no, but it's it's been good, man. So we, we've had a lot of success there, and uh, and you know we're continuing to grow. It's, I expect this year to be another. You know, another good year. Another, another growth year every year has been, you know, and it's, it's challenging, though. I, I tell any entrepreneurs, I, I, and one of the things I'm trying to do now is work with other entrepreneurs, young guys who want to learn, because so many people help me. I have a, a duty, obligation, and responsibility to help other people, you know, and that's, that's the way I look at it. So I have, I have um, you know, guys that I work with now, whether they work at my company or if I'm partners, like my, 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 my friend Tony Thibodeau, who runs Anytime Flooring. I've been partners with him for, I guess, eight years now. We bought into the company, and uh, and he's you know he sent me a screenshot the other day which was pretty cool. It was his notes from the first month that we became partners, and uh, and Tony's a flooring guy by trade. Like he was on his hands and knees, you know, install. He he knows, you know, he knows the business from the ground up. And so, our, our goal was first year was four hundred thousand dollars, man, like four hundred thousand. and he sent me a screenshot of the notes. It says Monk's meeting, you know, whatever the date was eight years ago. Goal number one: How are we going to get to four hundred thousand in revenue? you know, which was really cool because we did 13 million last year in revenue. You know, we've been partners for eight years. So we've had yeah. that much, that much growth. And so that's exciting because, because Tony and I have worked together and I've mentored him and we've become friends and it's been, it's very fulfilling to do that, uh, to be able to pay it forward. Right. Cause I had people like Donnie Jiver and Bobby Waters and you know, Paul Voorhees, Lawrence Maystreet, Maystreet, my real estate guys. Like, uh, you know, a lot of those guys have been mentors to me and, and be like, why are you doing that? Why wouldn't you do this? Or, Hey, Have you ever thought about this? You know, and they bring me opportunities and I would do work for them. They would give me the opportunity to work for them. And, uh, and it's been, it's been really good. And so, you know, a big part of the fulfillment here is to be able to pay that forward to other entrepreneurs because there's so much that they don't know. You know what I mean? Like the stuff we're talking about right now, it's Greek to most guys who are starting a business, right? You know? Phantom Income, what is that? I'm like, oh, wait, a scary, that's
0: a scary dude, bro. <laughs> well, it's it's not the scary dude. The scary dude is the person behind the mask, the little the little three letter, three, oh, yeah. three digit yes. organization that comes behind the mask and re, with a little handout, you know, yeah. hey, where's where's Papa Share? It's like Beetlejuice. Don't say it, man. Don't say it. So uh, within FMM, you've got a couple of different divisions of what y'all do, but with Anytime Florin, it's a separate LLC. It is. Let's walk through that how the deal, how that deal got set up and then ultimately what led to that structure as opposed to your normal just spread out within one organization yeah so so
1: tony um tony had started anytime and he had a, another partner at the time and that that guy was a builder and he really wanted to kind of move on and do the building thing and uh FMM was young um, i guess at the time we were a four year old company five year old company and we used anytime to do flooring at our projects and i had met with tony you know on the job because at the time i was very active in the field and so tony was like you know, man. Uh, you know, partners thinking about getting out. I was going to do. We ended up coming up with a deal to get him out for a small amount of money. We paid him a note over, you know, two years or something. So we got his partner out. We did the note, and um, and two reasons why I did that deal. One was because they already serviced us as a vendor. So if we had a good vendor who I knew that we could go to to use on our projects as we grew, that company also could grow. You know what I mean? And uh, and then two, I like Tony. You know, I mean, we got along good. Uh, we both have learned a lot and grown a lot since then. But he was a good dude, and um, and he worked hard like I do. A lot of people underestimate that man. How do I get man? man yeah, seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. And that's what it takes. You just got to roll. You know? Yeah. And uh, and he he had that mindset as well, and was willing to put in the effort and time. So we started going, and uh, and and he was like, "Man, am I going to be under FMM?" I said, "You know what? Let's keep this as a separate tax ID. It's a separate business. Let it stand on its own, because I didn't want I didn't want him to get wrapped under the FMM umbrella, and then we're FMM." you know, maintenance, construction, and floors. It's like, ah, it's kind of weird. Let's leave it here. And Tony wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be keep his 50%, and he wanted to, to be his own entrepreneur, which I right. totally respected. So, so, so that was the decision that was made to keep it that way. And what was cool about that is that FMM grew. FMM owns the the, the 50% of anytime. So as FMM grew, we were able to provide benefits to the smaller anytime in the form of 401 k really good health insurance for its employees. So so as a smaller company even though we owned and controlled the company from a 50% standpoint we were able to give them let them participate in all the benefits, right? Right? Uh, enterprise leasing for the vehicles for example. You know, it's no personal guarantee, it's corporate guarantee. On. the FMM has 100 trucks. Well, hey, this is our sister company. They need vehicles. You know, normally you can't do that for a company that needs five trucks, but they were able to fall under our account. So there was a lot of benefits that came from us uh, us doing that with, with Tony uh, but most importantly, I think Tony wanted to stand on his own to some degree and have his own brand and his own recognition. And I think that was the right decision um, from that standpoint because now he's CEO of that company. He runs it efficiently. Um, the customers love him. You know, we do a lot of work for LeMoyne. Like I said, LeMoyne, Womack, Block, the, you know, Arkell, all, all the GCs. You know, we bid all of them. But Tony's really built a great reputation, uh, trusting relationship with a lot of the key people because just like at FM, we, we want to do the right thing, you know. Uh, we, we, if, if something's messed up, like it's easy to point fingers and, and, you know, pitch a fit of oh it's him or this or that we want to work with, to figure out a solution. And if we mess it up, guess what we're going to do? We're going to, I mean, we ate, I think we had something we messed up last year, It was $35,000 mess up. Yeah. It's us. We did it. Yeah. We'll take care of it. You know what I mean? And that's the mindset, right? If we mess it up, we're going to fix it. We're not going to hide from it. We're not going to run from it. We're
0: going to hit it head on and do the right thing. And that has built some very strong relationships. Yeah, and it's powerful as an entrepreneur to know if you're trying to take your company to the next level for any time situation where they're trying to figure out a way to grow and not be under FMM because then it's just, like you said, then it's just another service that FMM provides. But being able to stand alone and service customers outside of FMM and continue to grow, a lot of owners are kind of hesitant to give up any equity. That's right. They're yeah. like, no, 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 it's mine. I'll just continue to working for you and we'll do this and that. But what it's allowed are all those benefits you just described. Exactly. And you have to, as an owner, really evaluate where do you want to go in the company, what direction you want to take. That's right. Fifty percent of a whole lot is better than one hundred percent of nothing. That's right. You know. That's right.
1: No, one hundred percent. I agree with that. And and it's hard for so so and you know, I use Tony as, as an example. It's hard for a guy who's been working on his hands and knees installing floors, working, growing his business. It's hard for them to take a step back and go, "I'm not giving up fifty percent of this." Yeah. But 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 fifty percent of nothing's nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean, one hundred percent of nothing's nothing. It's, it's just it's one of those things where we were able to. It took a lot of trust, you know. We met, and Tony was like, "All right, man, you know, let, let's do it." He's like, "I believe in you, and I trust you," and that could have went bad for him. But, <laughs> but, but in business, man, you got you got to be willing to take some risks.
0: And, and as an entrepreneur, we have a higher risk tolerance, right? We're open to more risk than most people are. Totally, you know, agree. You're, you're normal people who are within a nine to five or a typical W two job. They are very hesitant to sit down across the table from somebody where they're saying, I'm going to take 50-50 or even worse, uh-uh, we're going to do the deal. I want 60 and you get 40. Right. And them being like, I don't know, I don't have control, I don't have this, I don't have that, they're much more hesitant. We're an entrepreneur. They're going to look at a whole bunch of different circumstances and realize, no, this is a deal that has to happen if I want to push forward with what I, with the boy that I've got. That's right. And so I have to be okay with that. That's right. Because at the end of the day, I'm still able to do what I want, stay on my own and push this business forward. So long as I actually consult with somebody in the paperwork side of things, the legal side of things, and make sure that I'm protected. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, at the end of the day, sometimes have to just accept for a lesser share of the company for the greater purpose of what they can build. That's right. No, you're 100
1: right on that. And it's and it's and it's the big challenge there is for the guy because see they, they don't they don't really have that option when somebody like Tony starts his company and he's and he's growing it and working. It's hard for you because all your family members, anybody who's who has a job and they're just they're just doing the the normal day to day grind. They don't. Why would you give up fifty percent? They just no one no one sees or understands the the metrics of what you just said. Of hey, you know, okay, Tony, our goal was four hundred thousand the first year. You know what I mean? We did thirteen. We we, we I mean we did thirteen million dollars. It's a lot of floors, right? It was a whole lot. Eight hey, years ago, we wanted to do four hundred grand. And so people don't understand that. They get so caught up. It's human greed. They're like, oh, this is my business, and I'm so proud of my business. But I will say this. I think the reason that that is challenging for, for people sometimes is that if you get somebody who is malicious or who has ill intent, then, you know, it, it really can tarnish. And there's stories like that out there, hundreds of them, hundreds of them. People that get strong-armed, they just malicious intent, don't do what they say they're going to do. So, so there is risk involved in that, and I respect that. And, uh, and a lot of it depends on where the, where the person wants to go. Tony wanted to, wanted to have a life that no one in his family had ever had before. You know, they, he wanted to live a to be able to make a certain amount of money and and be able to do things in his life that and no one in his family before him were able to do. And uh, and, you know, he felt like this was a good opportunity for him. And he trusted me, right? Right. And that was a big thing. And and I take that seriously. Not everybody does. You know, somebody yeah. puts their trust in, in you and says, "Look, I'm I believe in
0: you, man. I'm I'm excited about doing this, and I believe in you, dude. That's 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 all huge. That's huge. And the entrepreneurs that want to keep everything within 100%, they may have that 400,000 goal and may hit 404, or 440 in the first year, be super excited, and then only push for 600 the next year. That's right. But if you have a partner and they come in and they're going to push you, they're all going to push each other. So that 400 turned into whatever it turned in the first year, several million, and like, oh my gosh, now it's it's leaps and bounds from where we can go because you get to that point where as a single, as a sole proprietor, you may hit a cap. Yeah. Where you're comfortable with going. And so if you're stuck in that comfort range, he could have stopped at like $4 million. They're like, nope, this is, I'm, I can't yeah do, I can't see myself managing more than this, even with a great team. As the only owner, there, there's too much at to stake to get beyond that. But if when you bring in another person, another party, and they you then sit across the table and you're all both like, well, if your max effort's four, my max effort's four, now this company can get to eight. Mm-hmm. And then we can continue to grow exactly. from there. Exactly, and and I think what's really important for
1: entrepreneurs to understand is that for me, there's two things. You can have a business, and you and you can grow a business, right? And if you have a business, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What you just said, if that guy gets to six hundred thousand dollars a year and he can live the life he wants to live, right? He can he can. And I tell people success. He can be successful. People like, what is successful? Well, the average Joe is like, man, successful is being rich. Man, that's define rich, right? Define rich, right? And so, so for me, what I do with my entrepreneurs, I work with, and 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 I did with Tony recently, and I've done for myself recently. Is you got to put together a life plan. Like, what what do you want out of life, right? You know, how much income do you want to make? What, what do you want for your spirituality? Your your giving, right? Your charitable giving. What do you want for your kids? How much time do you want to spend with them? How much travel do you want to take? What kind of relationship do you want with your wife? There's there's all these things that you want to have success in, whereas the average American gets so caught up in seeing these videos, these guys have all this money stuff, man, dude, those dudes, those dudes are successful in the financial side of things. And there's a lot of people that have financial success who are failures in every other aspect of their life. And if you don't find that balance, right, you, 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 you'll be miserable. You'll look back and you're 75, 80 years old, and you'll be rich and be like, God, I'm, I'm, I was not successful. As it turns out, I was a failure. So having a business to get to live the life you want to live is great. And growing a business to, to, to live the life you want to live is great. They're two separate things, and there's nothing wrong with either one of them. But I always encourage entrepreneurs to to learn where do you want to be. Like Tony. We, we had that meeting recently. Tony has given me what he wants to make a year. He's given me what he wants to do a year with his kids and trips he wants to take. He's, he's given me a lot of objectives personally, charitable giving, things he wants to do. And so that's really good. We went through that process, and it's taken about six months. Now that he has that, just like I have it for myself personally, I know where FMM needs to be for me to be successful, and, I, and Tony knows where anytime time needs to be. So then you can take that because those things have to run parallel, right? You can't, you can't have them crossing because it, it's a crash. You know, you're going to have destruction in your life. You're, you're going to have a terrible, terrible crash if they're, if they're not in in sync. And so um, that's been a really important lesson for me that I've been able to pass on to to other entrepreneurs I work with. You got you got to have that that balance in life because when I was coming up, you know, people were like, "Man, monkey's going to be, you know, he can be 100, 200, he can be that guy, right?" And I was like, "Damn right I can. You know, he's going to he's going to far seat everybody." I'm like, "Damn right I am." And I, look, man, I started looking around and spent a lot of time with a bunch of very wealthy people. And I, it just wasn't me, man. Like, I love the money and the Jets and all the things they had. And could I have all that? Absolutely. But what would I sacrifice? I'd sacrifice really who I am, right, which is my family, my friends, you know, going out and, and taking my boat out, teaching my son how to drive a boat, coaching fourth grade basketball, which I just got done doing. <laughs> yeah, Debil- Debilitating, I'll say it, but, but yet fun. You know, and so doing all these things that's worth more to me than saying that I'm worth hundred million dollars 200 million dollars and 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 you know, sacrificing that portion of my life to achieve a level of,
0: of financial success that's not that cannot you can't buy that no and you, you can't <clears throat> people say money can buy happiness until they get it and they realize what it comes with that's right and then you recognize everything you left along the way and you have to do exactly what you said find that self-awareness of what you actually want out of life define your success and don't tie it to a certain dollar figure figure out what activities what experiences that you want to define as. if i'm successful if i'm home every night for dinner that's successful for some people that's if right. i'm not working on the weekends that's successful that's right not oh if i've got a jet three houses whatever that's right. else it is that's right because half the time on social media they're renting that stuff exactly they're building this false reality and hyping everybody up to then want to follow them and then they get to that level but it's it's a false reality, and you're not seeing everything behind the scenes. No doubt. But for that 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 family person who says, "I want a family. I want to be able to stay home with my kids. I want to be able to work remote, even and just a couple hours a week and make enough money to pay our bills. That's successful. Sure. You don't have to be worth all these numbers. That's right. It, it's success should never be tied to a dollar figure. It should be tied. What do you want to get out of your life? Whether it's experiences or time, mm-hmm. because time is the only asset nobody's getting any more of. That's right. You don't know much you got either. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: so it's 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 been an adventure, man. Like I said, I've, I've I've come full circle on that deal. It's it's it was you know for me for a long time. It was it was the the crazy wealthy, um, and man, it just you know if you really look back, the perspective on that changed, and and it changed mm-hmm. my goals. You know. No, I mean, look my. If, it, it, people say, "What are your goal financial goals per year to make?" And like those numbers are probably like people are like, "Wow, that's crazy," but it's nothing compared to what it used to be because that's what's going to bring balance into my life. You know what I mean? For 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 yeah. what I want, and that's what I try to tell people, dude. There's nothing like I tell Tony, dude. You don't have to do fifty million a year at any time. What what is going to make Tony's life great, man? You've worked your ass off, what? and he, and we put that down on paper, and we now we know what the number is for any time to do for Tony to get where he wants to get, and for us to be successful. That's success. The fact that a guy has come from nothing. Working on his hands and knees doing floors, and built this unbelievably great flooring company, and it and it's going to be perfect for his successful life, right as a whole, right. You know, that, and that's what it's about. And so it, it's been fun. And, and, and FMM is interesting because it, it's going to get to a point where I'm, you know, I'm going to eventually not be the CEO and just be the managing partner and bring in other people that they can they can grow if they want to grow it to the next level and achieve levels of success for themselves. I'm going to help them and do it, but I know where I
0: need to be, and that's you know what I mean. I, I, and at that level of self awareness, <clears throat> that's so important to get and the sooner you get it the better and happier your life is going to be. I totally agree man. I am I got
1: a commitment on certain amount of trips, things I want to do. I'm super pumped man. You're like me, like I'm going camping with my son on Saturday, you know, for Cub Scouts. Like it's just you know and stuff like that is that's success. That's right. For me that's success, right? And and, and if I wanted to be 100 200 million it just you can't do that kind of stuff. You got to be grinding yeah. 6 7 days a week minimum. And uh and I did that for a long time, but I'm 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 pleased with the direction and <laughs> where we're at so far. And um just Like I said, we got a lot of great people that have helped us get here. And I hope that they can continue their success as well, you know, as the company continues to
0: grow. Absolutely. So as we kind of start to wrap up the show, Monk, um, we have four questions we like to ask everybody. Sweet. So the first one is, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Man, I wish that every day
1: when I got home, I could go shoot hoops in the park. And I grew up by Bel Air, so it was an interesting group of people. Uh, But... It was fun, man. I it, That was a big, big thing for me. I loved basketball. It wasn't that great. I'm not tall, clearly. And, uh, and look, it was, but I'd go play with a different, uh, in that neighborhood, we had a great mix of people, nationalities, you know what I mean? And, you know, it, and we would just play basketball, man. And we loved it every day when I got home. Um, and now, unfortunately, if I said I wanted to do that, my knees would be like hey bro you're not doing that. I, I was, you can do it, you can do it one day. Yeah, I was coaching fourth grade basketball. And I played with them for a couple days and I, I immediately went to the knee doctor and he's like bro you're all right just chill out with the basketball, right? It's it's fourth graders. Their bones are still flimsy. Oh man. Like we stretch and they're like are we done stretching? I'm like no I'm not done. Wait. <laughs> You're sitting there. Are you, coach, are we stretching for you or us? Yeah, they're not smart <laughs> enough to know that yet. But it was 100 percent for me and my other coach, Simon Fair. Simon and I coached with Ashley uh, Fair, his 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 uh, his wife. The three of us coached, and uh, we, me and Simon, 100 were coaching. Uh, we're stretching for for ourselves.
0: I get that. So, what are what are three lessons you've learned along your way? So, I would say that uh, one thing
1: is to get where you want to get in with success. Um, you absolutely have to do 10 times more than you think you're going to do. And I, I'm a big fan of the 10X rule The Grant Cardone. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I didn't learn it a long time ago. Actually, after the fact, I started listening to him. Like, that's how I got where I got. I didn't even know what 10X rule was. But that is how I went from where I was to where I am today, was doing 10 times more than anybody else was willing to do and and just, just really busting it. So that's super important, number one. N- number two, I would say um, treat people well. Treat people with kindness. Treat them with respect. Um, do the right thing for your people, uh, not only your employees, but you know the people that are your friends, your family. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to, to spend time and focus on that. And oftentimes, entrepreneurs, as you grow a business, you know, you get so caught up in it that you lose sight of of, of other people's needs from you as a friend, of, as a spouse, as a as a son. You know what I mean? As as a sibling. And so, I would say, treat people right. And the third thing I would say is um is is you know, and I think I think I'm, I hit on this earlier, is if you have to pay somebody and you don't have the money, don't sign the check. <laughs> It'll buy you an extra week. <laughs> I had just, I to just throw that one in there, man. It's, just, it's so creative, and my grandfather is, is a, such a funny dude. The stress never got to him, and I guess that's probably the point with number three is that, look, there's a lot of stress, and my grandfather always had a way of making it funny. And, he, and, and the reality is he would do that right and and, and he, if in the 80s he would really do that but you can't get you can't let the you can't let the stress eat you alive right because then you start having negative self talk and so so look man like I tell my basketball team our two rules and I'm getting off a little bit on you here but yeah, but, my, but the, the two rules we had and our were number one have fun every day we're going to have fun and the second rule was we're going to get better every day every practice every going to get better those two rules so at the end of the season I brought a full circle with them Look, guys, we had fun. Go, oh, yeah, coach, we got better. Man, we were way better at the end of the year than we were beginning. I said, this isn't just basketball. Take those two lessons and live your life that way. That's pretty deep for a fourth grader. It was. I was a little bit <laughs> teary-eyed when I was telling them, and I think some of them really got it. And the other two coaches were like, damn, that's pretty pretty cool. And then I think they enjoyed it because we did some of that during the year because right. when we were done like, all right, guys, great season, you know. Coach, are you going to coach us again next year? I'm like, I don't know. No, man, you got to come back, coach. And I was like, that made me feel good, you know. I was like, awesome. So hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm able to do that again. That's awesome, man. So, what is something you love about Baton Rouge? Man, uh, I think you probably get this answer a lot. I love, I love LSU football and tailgating and 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 going out there and having fun. I'm, I'm able to because you're able to bring people from other places out of state, whether it's customers. You know, last year we brought a client from Texas to the Alabama game. Okay. Him and his wife. And so they came to our suite, right? And they're not LSU fans. And the guy I had some other employees up in the suite with us for that game. Because you know, nobody knew. I don't think anybody everybody was like, Oh, LSU's gonna win. You know, like hopefully it's a good game. So the guy's leaving and I'm not gonna name who he is or who he works for because when he was leaving (laughs) he's like he's like, Man, him and his wife, he's like, Man, thank you. If y'all ever looking for people in Texas, please call me because I want to be around people like y'all. <laughs> Seriously, he's like, this was so much fun, and you got some good people. Now we do a lot of work for him, so I don't know that I'm going to go that route. But <laughs> the company he works for, but but uh, but but yeah, that, that's 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 always a special thing for me about Baton Rouge is bringing people to tailgate. They just people who don't get to do that often. They're amazed at oh yeah at, the, at the, how fun the people are, how nice everybody is,
0: and then the environment in the stadium with a big game. Look, I've had I had two guests come on that were from LA. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about you know things to do in Baton Rouge, and we brought up the topic of football, LSU football, right. and tailgating. And they're like, "Oh, we've never been tailgating before." I'm like, "You gotta go." And they said, "Well, we don't know anybody. Nobody's ever invited us. <laughs> it doesn't matter." I said, "Just go out there." And you can bring an ice chest if you want and just walk up to people's tailgates that look friendly. Sure. Which is going to be 95% of them. That's the right. 5% of the college kids on the parade grounds don't go there. That's right. I said, right. walk around that and you can find as many people as you want. There's some tailgates. They say, yeah, 20 bucks, you do whatever you want. Or some are just like, nah, come on in. It's that's all right. good. That's right. You can go and find people and make friends. That's LSU's culture. That's For the sure. tailgating culture. And they looked at me like, that's crazy. That's it's crazy. It's so that's, foreign. That's, to that's them. unheard of. They're like, That really, I'm like, it really happens. Humans are really that friendly? Yeah, I'm like, wear LSU gear and everybody's friends. That's right. And that's just at the root of it, that's what it is.
1: That's right. And what I love, too, is that in our suite, we'll have people from other other teams and even at our tailgates, you know, that we go to. And and I love that, that, you know, it used to be kind of bitter, you know, people doing all kinds of crazy, but it's really softened up a lot that everybody understands, hey, man, we're here to have fun and and, and root on a bunch of teenagers playing a game, right? And uh, so I, I love that, though. That's a lot of fun. And I love
0: bringing people, especially people that have never been. Oh yeah. So what for the final question? What can I do to help you? Ooh man, that is. I'm a, not too good at that's uh, a, repairs and maintenance, so don't ask me for that. Well, I do know one <laughs> thing you're good at,
1: so you might be able to help me with some uh, some financial planning uh, on the on the accounting side. So man, look, I, I, I tell you, um, help help spread the word of of what I just talked about with other entrepreneurs. You know, specifically the part about um, paying it forward, because if you're an entrepreneur who has a successful business and you have a big team of people, people helped you. Like you had, whether it was employees that you hired that were just way better than you thought, who were going to help you and give you feedback that you needed to hear, whether it's mentors you worked with who gave you feedback that was difficult to hear and for them to give, um, whether it's the guy who wrote the check at one point, F. M. was almost out of business and wrote a $250,000 check on a Sunday evening, kept me in business, paid him back 30 days later, you know, gave me a hug, said a prayer and said, I believe in you, you know, um, all those things that have happened to help our business get where it's gotten, you know, those are things now that, that I have a duty, obligation, and responsibility to pay forward to other people that deserve it and that really want it. And so I, I would say, when you do meet other entrepreneurs and you do do interviews and you do talk to other entrepreneurs uh, like me, that you uh, make sure they don't forget how important it is to keep
0: that trend going and to pay it forward as it, as it relates to, to helping others. You bet, man. I doubt that I will do my best. Awesome. So thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm glad we're able to pivot around the the fourth grade coaching and make this thing happen, man. Yeah. That's (laughs) not as successful as my business. I'll say it, (laughs) but just being there, being there and helping them, man, that's a success story. It was, that was no doubt a success story. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on Monk. Appreciate it. And thank you everybody else, whether you're watching the show or you're listening to us, I know that the guests are appreciative of your time and taking the, effort and day out of your agenda to listen to them and listen to their stories so thank y'all so much if you know anybody else that make a great guest have reach out to us on the show whether through the website or our social media and just let us know we're always open to having great entrepreneurs on the show and thank you also to the amazing sponsors that make the show possible each and every week hear a little bit more about them right now
2: so you're home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. no seriously Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $3.99 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya Real Estate. Reimagined.
0: Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new Taco of the Month, so if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's Taco of the Month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's Taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible.
2: Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s and 40s. Way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s.
0: Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service Every step of the way, they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days but I promise you signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future, there's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out, our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center, and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavy's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want, go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure to let them know that Patty G Show sent you. Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you're looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, They are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners.